I'm Heather. And I'm Derek. And this is Let's Talk Outdoors. Today we're chatting with Joyce Belcher. Joyce is a biologist, life coach, and writing teacher. She spent a good portion of her life being inspired by big skies, intact prairie grasslands, and forest trails. Join us as we chat about Joyce's time in the prairies and her way of connecting to nature. Joyce, welcome to Let's Talk Outdoors. And um, I'd like to start off by learning a little bit more about yourself and how you wound up on the path that you are currently on. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, it's kind of a winding path. Uh, I grew up outside of Winnipeg on an acreage um, with a family that had a big garden and we did lots of camping. And I was lucky enough to have a horse and then two horses when I was young. So I spent a lot of time on the back of a horse. I'd be gone for a whole day exploring. Um, I wish my kids could have had that kind of freedom, but it was amazing. And I would just head off. I had a friend, we took our horses, our dogs, and we were gone all day. And um, it was really great to be able to explore and have that freedom. So that's really a big part of who I am today. In fact, I all the way through my life, I've carried that um, moving through nature as, as the way I really connect with a place and with nature. Um, so I developed a pretty strong social and, and environmental conscience early on, and um, I did a degree at the University of Manitoba in biology, and um, and then I had some great work working on prairie research at the Shiloh Military Reserve um, between Winnipeg and Brandon, looking at the effects of tank track traffic amongst other things on native prairie, but spending amazing time on the native prairie there. It was fabulous. Living in an ATCO trailer in the backyard of my uh, supervisor's yard. So two summers I spent there doing really good research and um, helping with some publications and so on. So that was that was a great job to have um, during and just out of my uh, bachelor's of science. And um, and I traveled for a bit and then I moved to Ottawa and did a master's in plant ecology there. And um, we moved here, my husband and I moved here to Regina in, uh, doesn't matter what year, many years ago now, so that I could work as the ecologist at the Saskatchewan Conservation Data Center that was just starting up as part of the Nature Conservancy Network. And I spent five years in that job getting uh, to lots of wonderful places in Saskatchewan, particularly Prairie. And um, that was a that was a great job, too. And uh, but then I got really interested in how what matters to people and what makes us interested in conservation. And I got really interested in what makes people love nature and how we need we need to love it in order to want to conserve it. So I then went and did a, a part-time master's of education in educational psychology uh, and parented new children at the same time. So that master's took a little longer because I was uh, home with kids a lot. Um, and I got very interested there in the whole process of what I call engagement, where we like 
when we really get into something and, you know, time is, it just goes by so quickly. And that's, that's something that I got fascinated by and creativity came into my life then. Um, So then I parented for a lot of years and then I um, took life coach training so that I could work with people one-on-one and all the while writing, writing, writing as a way to um, figure out what I have to say, what I know. And I didn't really think of it as a thing until I came across some training on what's called wild writing. And so I took that training because it felt like the perfect fit. And so since 2018, I've been teaching what I call true nature writing, which is um, a way to help people connect with themselves, connect with what I call our own true nature and, and nature. And uh, so it's really process writing. It's not so much about the craft and the product of writing. It's about the actual process of writing. So I have a a small business now where I teach writing classes and I do some life coaching as well. Uh, So, and at the same time, I've got a big yard with a big garden and I like to cycle and kayak and camp and um, move through nature, as I mentioned. Walk, 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 walk. (laughs) (laughs) thank goodness for walking in the last 18 months I'll tell you that you you said something that I've heard a few times um and I I've thought and said to myself of where like people need to get to know nature and love nature in order to care about it um in your time you said you were kind of thinking about or looking at like what makes us love it what did you what did you find like how did we how do we connect people yeah um I think that's why I do what I do I think it's being in nature and finding a way to have a sort of personal relationship with it a way that I connect with this particular place and you connect with this person this particular place Um, and so we all have our own reasons uh, for why we like a particular place or feel some power there. I was thinking a lot about the the pasture managers that looked after those amazing pieces of prairie on the provincial and PFRA pastures that unfortunately are not um, looked after in the way they were. Um, And, you know, those people, they just loved that land and looked after it so well. And it was quite different than the the scientific exploration of those places, which is also important, um, but just you know, living on it and knowing it and feeling how this area that's in really great shape compared to this area that's been previously tilled, or uh, just it feels different and, and people can sense that. I don't know if that really answers your question, but that's sort of where my interest came from. Okay. And Joyce, this could be jumping to a completely different place, but this just popped into my mind. Um, So your, your original background was in biology. Yes. And now you've moved not necessarily away, but more toward um, writing and nature writing. I'm wondering if, if you felt like a shift a couple of years ago. So in 2018, when you started your business from looking at nature through a more of a scientific lens and now through more of a creative lens and, uh, and yeah, whether you notice that or if you think they, they went hand in hand and you didn't even recognize a shift. 
It's definitely a shift. Um, it's kind of a gradual one. Um, the the move to doing a degree in educational psychology was part of that. And the, the coaching was part of that. And in fact, a lot of what happens when we gather together to write, um, it kind of magically is what might happen when I'm coaching someone one-on-one. -on -one. There's, there's, it's actually kind of a healing process as well. It's kind of a way of really getting to know ourselves. Um, but one thing that I guess you could say was an obstacle was it took me a long time to kind of give myself permission to move away from the science and the conservation and feeling like I was engaged in, in the cause from that and feeling like a little bit of a traitor, you know, I've got all this training and I'm not actually engaged in conservation work. It, it took me some time to realize, but this is where my strength is. This is where my passion is. And um, so, yes, but over a gradual shift. What, uh, how would you describe true nature writing? You said kind of like, it's a, a connection between the like nature itself and our own like nature. How would you, can you flesh that out a little bit more? Well, I can tell you how, uh, how a class goes, how sure, the process goes. Great. It's quite, it's, it's actually really simple. Um, generally we meet for an hour and a half or two and, um, I choose poetry or beautiful pieces of prose, and um, I we go one at a time. I read a I read a poem a couple of times and give people some jump off lines, and then I set a timer and we write. And at the end of that time, then we actually share what we've written. So it sounds a little scary, but um, it's in a group and we share. We read what we've written without any kind of introduction or apology or um, kudos for one another other than thank you. And in the sharing, we hear what we've written and we hear what other people have written and we're inspired by one another. And um, something, something happens there because we're in community and I'll choose poetry kind of based on what's going on with me, what's going on in the world. And if we're in lucky enough to be in a nature setting, which is my absolute favorite way to do this, then often what comes into the writing is that experience. And that's, that's the best part. Um, but I do tend to choose writing for inspiration that has some of that flavor to it. But it's, you know, people are surprised that the whole idea is that you're kind of mining things that you might have forgotten or that you don't even realize is going to come up. And so it people surprise themselves and, and generate these fragments of writing. They're not usually something that's a finished piece, but it can be shaped into a finished piece. Or maybe just on its own, there was some kind of insight that came from that writing that's meaningful. Maybe what I read is not meaningful, particularly to me. And I think, oh, that wasn't a very good writing. But the person across the table got something from it, too. So that's a nice part of the writing and community. Yeah, that, that I might interpret. I might take a, take a teaching or something from something that you've written or connect with it in a different way. Right. Or suddenly remember your own experience right. that you had forgotten. Yeah. And then we'll do that two more times, usually, in a session, in a class. That sounds pretty sweet.
Yeah. And actually, sorry, sorry, Joyce and Derek, I wasn't completely <laughs> ignoring everything. I was just thinking, Derek, you might not have known that I actually took one of these classes from Joyce a couple of years ago at the ecom pre-conference. I had an inkling that you might have because at one of our board retreats, we did a session similar to this. And so I was like, oh, I actually have the book in my office right here. So it was May 8th in uh, 2019. And I remember sitting around the table in a group of people that we didn't necessarily know, but we were, but yeah. we were becoming comfortable with. And the, the horror of the people to share their writing like with, <laughs> with other people. Cause I mean, the, there was a group from like all walks of life and all ages and, um, and just sitting down and writing. It was such a like cathartic experience, I would say for everyone. And, and I remember the people who were most nervous to write and most nervous to read it out loud, they just knocked it out of the park. And you wanted to tell them like, wow, that was amazing. But Joyce, like you said, you encourage people to just say, thank you and move on. So then there's, there's like mm -hmm. no pressure. Yeah, it was a really great experience. And I can only imagine how, how beneficial that is to other people who take your classes, Joyce. Oh, thank you. It's, it's always interesting that first that moment where people are experiencing it for the first time. And I can sort of see people's eyes shift and think, where's the door. <laughs> but the thing is, um, what I've noticed, and maybe you can tell me if this was true in your experience, people do it once and they go, oh, that was kind of cool. That actually felt pretty good. And when people take classes, I, I offer, offer classes in multi-week sessions. And after a while, it's like people just want to do it. It just feels good to read and to share. And part of the process is kind of outrunning our inner editor. We're, we're writing as quickly as possible and not worrying about punctuation and getting the words right. Try not to cross out. And um, But it's not until we read that we kind of know what we said. And so it is, it does feel good. And people kind of get that after a while. I can see if, if it's a, you know, we're a little short on time and not everyone can read. You can see there's people going, Oh, I, I really wanted to read. Yeah. So it sort of turns <laughs> around. <laughs> and I think the discomfort that some people feel is really important because it's, it's a wonderful way to learn. And it's something that I haven't forgotten um, in that weekend of amazing experiences at, uh, well, we stayed at Elkridge Resort area and toured um, toured the boreal forest there. And that's true. It's um, part of it is actually getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, which is a pretty useful life skill. Yeah. Actually. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess for the average person who who wants to engage with nature, uh, do you have any advice for them about maybe incorporating writing into their journey? Mm -hmm. Well, I would say carry a notebook, always carry a notebook or a file card or anything that, or your phone, you know, a, a place that you can record some things so that, you know, we often see something that, that we're inspired by, or we just, you know, look at that sunset or something that just feels good. And we think we're going to remember, but to actually take some notes in the moment, or as soon as you get back is, is a really good practice. But the other part that I've noticed personally is um, when I go out in nature is to kind of go with the intention of 
being interested, being surprised, being um, noticing things. Like the Mary Oliver quote, I've got it in the front of this little handmade notebook I have, attention is the beginning of of devotion. Attention is the beginning of devotion by Mary Oliver. And I just, that's kind of a core of what I think this is all about, is if we're paying attention, then we do connect with nature in a, in a different way. So I often carry a camera when I walk. And what I find is it slows me down. And I, if I see something that interests me, I'll try and take the photo the moment I'm in the place that interests me, not to get closer, but just to take the photo as it caught my eye. And, or you don't even need a camera. I walk around with a little, a little viewfinder, a little piece of paper with a square cut out of it. And, and it helps me notice things. So interesting. Yeah. It's, and then the thing that happens is maybe even if I don't take notes and I'm doing a writing session a couple of days later or a couple of weeks later, and maybe a year later, something twigs that memory, that experience. And I find the details start to come back. And those are the places, the places that have come into my writing that I feel most connected to. So I I guess to go with intention to notice, to to be interested is probably the the summary of all of that. That's such a, it's a big difference when you're like, going on a hike or you're out and you're just, you're trying to get somewhere versus you're going to just kind of see what happens. I think for me, I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old and a 18-month-old or 16-month-old and um, they're very slow. And I'm usually like a speed, I'm like, let's get here. Let's go. We're going to a place. Um, but they're constantly noticing things. And they're, con- and oh, they're yeah. like, you know, they're half my height. And so they're noticing other things and, um, it's really slowed down. I've seen so many more frogs or so many more insects or so many more, you know, whatever that maybe I would not have seen. Um, cause they're always paying attention. So, oh, yeah. So yeah, even better walk with a toddler. Walk with a toddler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's great. Yeah. yeah I, I know that uh, I love to walk. I'd love to do all these things and I like to go fast, but oftentimes I find myself like the brain is just going, 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 and I'm not even really seeing where I am or, or the amazing things around me, unless I have that intention to, to pay attention to what's there, or you get uh, inspired to do so if you've got a little person pointing things out and asking questions. <laughs> there's, a, there's a book called uh, The Walking Curriculum mm. um, by Jillian Judson. And it's, uh, it's geared towards like K to 12 educators. And it's basically like go for 15 minutes of a walk, but not just for a walk, but focus on something. So um, there might be a walk that's you're looking for straight lines, or you pick a line and you walk a line, or you observe as you walk your path, you're, you know, trying to look for all things green or you just whatever. Um, and I use it with my grade eight sometimes this year. And it was very interesting as we focused in on things that we notice a lot more Um, oh yeah you know I likened it to like when I wanted to buy a truck 
or, or a new car or something, all of a sudden I start seeing that car everywhere that once, you know, kids see Yarrow or something, now they're seeing Yarrow everywhere they go and they never, ever saw it before. And they walk that same path. Right. So. And they probably won't forget either. Yeah. 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 I, I, a couple of times I've um, enrolled in a photo prompt class. And um, so I head out every day. I did that early this spring and it was um, developed the one I took this spring. She was in California. So everyone else was way further along in the season and we still had, you know, mucky gray snow. And I thought, oh, I'm not never going to be able to to find beautiful pictures. But I did. And I was amazed at the beauty I found just by heading out with the intention to find that shot. So I know that's not writing, but that's that's what this is all about is is seeing. Yeah. So I when I met you a couple years ago, Joyce, I also met your husband, Glenn Souter, and I've heard him on CBC Radio uh, since then a, a couple times, actually. And um, I um, I know that it might be more down his path, but the Saskatchewan Songs for Nature, you've been a part of for a couple of years. I'm, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and maybe what uh, what your role has been in it and if there were any highlights um, that you have from your time with the camp. Well, suffice to say, it's my happy place. I absolutely love Songs for Nature. So originally, um, I was part of the research team, so I was just a research assistant. There is a research component to the Songs for Nature program, um, headed up by Catherine Arbuthnot at Campion College, University of Regina. And so I have um, assisted with that a little bit. And uh, by the second time I was involved, I had done my training and I said, how about if I offer um, a session of this writing? And everybody loved it. So it has become a central component of the of the program. So every if on when we do a in-person camp at a nature setting, two of the three days, we pretty much start the day. Well, we start with yoga and um, have breakfast. And then uh, one of the first things we do is sit down for uh, a writing session. And it really kind of primes the pump for people. Sometimes song ideas come out of that writing. Um, when people work, are working on a group song, there have been times, there was one time uh, when we were at Arlington Beach for a group camp and people were, had been working together on the group song and um, they were kind of running into some stuck places. So that day I kind of just threw out some prompts that had to do with their, with their group song and it brought them further along. So it's, it's a great way for people to kind of bring in what they're experiencing and some ideas show up. Maybe it turns into a song way down the way, or maybe it never does, but it, it just kind of gets their creative fires burning. And um, so, so yeah, I, I have offered the writing. I've been involved in food preparation. I've been involved in the research and um we did a couple of camps through the pandemic online, uh, believe it or not. And they, you know, they they worked out. Um, the research shows, not surprisingly, that uh, nature connection didn't really increase as very much when we were meeting online. But uh, as in, well, in all the camps, um, one of the things that happens is 
the research shows is that people's anxiety and stress decreases. And, um, and in the camps where we're in a nature setting, certainly their nature connection increases. And uh, it's, it's quite, it's quite a striking result. So it's really great to have that kind of data coming out of it. And it helps, you know, get more funding and be able to do more of that. And, and of course, add to the literature as well. So we're going to have another camp in uh, September, fingers crossed. I think it's going to be possible in Prince Albert National Park. Yeah, so it's currently about half registered. Um, by the time this episode airs, there may still be a few days to register. But if anyone's interested, they can look up Songs for Nature. That's four as the number four. So songs number four nature.ca and they can see a um, more about the program, some of the songs, they can hear some of the songs and the videos that have been produced. And there's um, a display at the Royal Sask Museum on this program as well. Awesome. Mm -hmm. It's just so much fun. <laughs> so do you usually do them multiple times per year? Or is this? Um... Um, we have done spring camps, we've done fall camps. One year we did both. Um, it, during the pandemic, we did a summer one and then figured, well, we can do a winter one if we're inside anyway. What would it be like to help people right. connect to nature with nature uh, in the winter? So that was interesting as well. And so how long has this camp been going for? And and you said that you're at Prince Albert National Park in September, fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, so I, how long has it been running for and what other places have you have you run the camp? Uh, I believe the first one was in 2015, and that was a youth camp. Uh, I was not involved in that one. Um, and that happened at the Last Mountain Lake uh, National Wildlife Area. And a fair bit of funding has come from there. So we kept having camps somewhere around Last Mountain Lake. So we did one, a couple of them, an adult one then uh, at the same place at the at the national wildlife area and then a third one at the regional park nearby um, then we did one at moose mountain provincial park and and then another one at arlington beach which is on last mountain lake so we're trying to we find places where we can camp and possibly have some cabins for people to stay in because there's you know different sort of um, desires for the kind of accommodation right um so at prince albert some people will be tenting and some people will be in cabins and uh yeah so i guess i think i've covered them all can i can i just flip back way back to the start for a moment this has been in my head a little bit um you talked about we talked about lots of things about um finding a love building a connection uh to nature just having that time and you talked about um having a lot of freedom in your childhood to explore and how that really shaped who you are and your connection. Um, I had a similar experience to that, right? You're, you had lots of time just to like go down by the river and just explore, hang out, ride your bikes, don't come back till supper sort of thing. Um, but I don't think that's the case for a lot of kids now. Um, do you, have you seen, or do you have any, uh, I'd just be interested in your, maybe your thoughts on, um, do you think it's harder, easier for, for young people to, 
build that connection now than it was before? Or are there things that we could do to help help them out? I think it's harder because, um, you know, parents tend not to give their kids that much freedom. There's more concern about what can what can happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, my kids walk to and from school their entire school lives, but that's not the case for a lot of kids. A lot of kids get driven to and from school. I think we're fortunate in that we're not far away and it felt completely safe for them to do that. But um, so that's part of it. I, I think the other, and when my kids listen to this, they'll, if they do, they'll be probably annoyed with me, but (laughs) the, um, you know, phones and video games and the reliance on the internet world, just it's different. You know, it takes up up a lot of time and a lot of attention and is a priority in their lives where we were bored. We were bored. So we went looking for things to do and we made up things to do. And um, when I think of the hours that uh, my brothers and I, in the spring sat on a board across a huge inner tube, pushing ourselves along the ditches with a, with a broken off (laughs) hockey stick falling in and getting wet and getting back on again. You know, that's, that was something we could do and wanted to do. Um, When I, I, one other thing I did in that wandering path of my my career is I taught um, in the schools as a create teacher. So taking art into the schools. um, So I would be assigned a few different classrooms. And the idea was that the visiting artist would present um, an art project that also taught something in the curriculum. And so I did my very best to come up with something that would get them outside and in the schoolyard and really getting to to know their schoolyard, even if it was mostly gravel. And my favorite part was the, the you know, maybe there were three or four students in a classroom where you could see that their eyes kind of light up and they, they were really talking about either their schoolyard or a place in their life that they know well. Mm-hmm. And so maybe part of it is we just need to ask and listen to what they have to say. There's a, as kind of a bridge between the technology and the and the outside world. There's a, there's an app called Seek by iNaturalist. Have either of you heard of this app before? I've heard of iNaturalist. I've never heard of Seek. Yeah, so Seek, it's like it actually works pretty awesome. Um, you, it's kind of like an augmented reality, I guess, in that you open up your camera. And it live, you can try to scan something and a live scan it and it'll go just like, I don't know, seven levels where it goes through. My biology is not as good as it should be, but it'll go through like, I don't know, from the very top of what would that be? The genus maybe down to the species. And then once you can, it can identify the species, you can take a picture, you can upload it and other people can like help, help go with it. But they also have challenges, you know, where you have to find this, 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 this. Uh, and so my my sons are quite excited now to go outside and what is this? What is this? What is this? And they'll take a picture and they'll try to, can you, can you get it? Get closer. Um, it's been a kind of a fun game where it blends the two of like trying to be aware and also like learning like, what is this creature? What is this, this plant or this bug or this bird or this whatever? So it's kind of- Right, and making a game of it. Yes. Yeah. 
that's key. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds cool. Um, Joyce, this might be jumping back as well, but uh, how do you feel that writing has benefited you in your enjoyment of the outdoors? So I said that I've kind of, for many, many years, I've written just as a way to kind of figure things out and figure out where am I right now and where where am I headed? And so part of it is just kind of getting clear on what's important to me, what's my next step, what am, what am I doing for a career, what, how am I changing my life path and so on. Um, so there's that part, which is kind of higher level. But since I've been writing and teaching writing and really focusing on not just kind of, like I said, the kind of discursive thinking, but the, the concrete details and what, which is what the most beautiful writing is made of is the, is the here and now. Um, it's kind of a back and forth. Nature is a beautiful way to actually practice that you know, what, what I see outdoors, what I experience on a walk to really get the details down, improves my writing skills and helps me write something that's more readable. Um, and conversely, I really get to know a place. So, so yeah, just the, well, Natalie Goldberg um, says writers live twice. And that's just so true. You know, we're we're out and about and we see things, but by writing it down, we re-experience it. And that has been huge for me. And there's a gratitude in that too. And we all know that gratitude is a pretty important part of, of well-being and, um, you know, living in what can be a difficult world at times. And just by re-experiencing it when we put it on the page it just it, it brings that much more life to it it's like that little moment that I might have just passed by oh wait that was a significant moment there have been a few a few quotes that you've mentioned tonight Joyce that I've been typing and and uh, writing down and I've never heard the writers live twice but I love that yeah it's thanks a, for throwing those true. in there <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> Okay. Okay, Joyce. We have two questions that we ask everybody. So the first one is, what's your, uh, what is your favorite place to adventure in Saskatchewan? Well, I don't have one particular place, I have to say. So in general, it's the place that I am um, and where I can get to the most. So I have to say over the last year and a half, it's kind of been my backyard. Um, it's where I see things. It's where I connect with nature. Last summer, I was so happy being in my backyard, but it's always a place that I can get to know. So to answer in a way that might, might be more along the lines of what you're looking for, I love Duck Mountain Provincial Park, uh, partly because it's not too, too far from Regina. So we get there fairly often. And um, we've gotten to know the campgrounds well. We've gotten to know some of the little lakes. Um, Glenn and I were there at the end of June and it was really, really windy and I couldn't get my kayak out on the water very often. Um, so we went into Batka Lake, tiny little lake, and I put my boat on the water there while he sat on a picnic table and played guitar and paddled around the entire shoreline and that's my favorite thing to do is really see what I can see 
So anywhere that I can spend time and notice and take things slow and move um, are, are my favorite places. If I go back in time, going to some of those amazing pastures, though, like those are magical places. To We're so lucky to have those huge expanses of native prairie, although I have trouble saying that without feeling sort of teary because I'm not sure how safe they are. Well, Joyce, I'm not sure if, uh, if the safety of those pastures um, ties into this last question at all, but if you could change one thing about the world, what would it be? Like anyone, probably there's many that would require time travel and going back in time. So if I think about where we are now and what I as one person can do, because I think that's what we all need to do, is I would have people know that what they do matters, that their small actions do make a difference, and that in fact, small is all we have. Small can be really big. And so if we, um, if we do what we're good at, if we do what we have passion for and connect that with some of the big causes, then we're well positioned to make a difference in the world. So for people to know that, to know it doesn't have to be some huge, amazing thing that we get involved in, it can be small and that matters. Two very well thought out okay. answers. Thank you so much, Joyce. Very profound. I have a lot of things to yeah. think about tonight. I know, <laughs> I know. And my mind isn't working fast enough. <laughs> um, Joyce, I guess before we say goodbye, where can people go to connect with you or learn more about you and the work that you're doing? I have a website and it's simply joycebelcher.com. Do you have upcoming classes or anything like that that... I will have classes starting up again uh, in September, probably um, nearer the end of September after the Songs for Nature program takes place. And I'll have uh, multi-week classes that I'll be offering via Zoom. And by the way, I've been using Zoom since 2018, but I've been very <laughs> thankful for it in the last year. And I will see again how it goes, but I'm kind of hoping I'll be able to do some in-person classes here in Regina as well, um, starting again soon, because I really like being around the physical table as opposed to just the virtual table, but both work really well. So yeah, that's the place to look. And um, I hope I hope some people check it out. Once in a while, I offer um, just a one-off class so that I call them pop-up classes so that if people just want to give it a try mm -hmm. without a big commitment, they can do that as well. It's been a pleasure learning from you, Joyce. Yes, it really has been. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. You're welcome. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for the interesting conversation. Yeah. Agreed. So Derek, what were your big takeaways from our chat with Joyce tonight? Oh man, there's lots of stuff to think about uh, in what Joyce talked about. Um, I think she talked about a couple of things that really stuck with me. She talked about how um, it's important to find a personal relationship with the land and that like to, to 
she was talking about, I think the people who take care of prairie pastures, that they really, they love the land, they take care of it, they know that land, they can feel that land. Um, I thought about how, you know, cool that would be, you know, you if you could, if you had a place like that, where you knew, oh, you know what the seasons are going to change, you know what it's going to look like, you, you spend so much time there that you just know every part of it. And I think that connection to land um, is really cool and really something to to strive for and, and work on finding. I thought that was really good. Uh, the other thing that I really connected with, she talked about um, um, just going out with intention and being interested in trying to notice things and just pay attention while you're out and the difference that that can make in your connection to, to nature. Well, you've stolen both of mine. Oh, sorry. So I, <laughs> that's okay. And I had actually written down that same quote, uh, like we need to love it in order to preserve it. Yeah. Right before you mentioned it in our conversation with Joyce. <laughs> and I, ah, darn. I'll come up with something Derek. different. But yeah. <laughs> um, oftentimes when I'm listening and learning from uh, from these people that we've been interviewing, I. I'm kind of looking for validation and mm. to, to like tell myself like, okay, what you're doing is okay. You're on the right track. And yeah, you're yeah. on the right track and you don't have to feel guilty about doing this. Yeah. And, um, and I felt like I got that validation when Joyce said that her favorite place this past year has been her backyard. Mm-hmm. And I live in the city and I believe Joyce even lives in the city. And sometimes I feel a little bit guilty when um, what my daughter is getting right now is, is mostly our backyard. Mm -hmm. But today we went to, my daughter and I went to the, um, a spray pad close by. Yeah. And she was just terrified and she loved just (laughs) (laughs) the only thing she liked was standing and watching other kids play. Yeah. And then the one time that water did, actually touch her she started, she started screaming yeah. and and so I'm like okay this is fine whatever and then we went back home and I started making lunch and um she's two years old and she just said um like I go backyard and I said okay yeah go for it and then she grabbed her shovel and she was playing in the backyard and just digging things up and putting them from shovel to shovel. Yeah. And at that moment, I thought, you know what? My favorite place is my backyard. And yeah. my daughter would probably say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so Joyce gave me that validation there. Yeah. And um, I thought, okay, I can still like love the natural outdoors and appreciate my backyard. Yeah, you can be, you can have your backyard as your favorite place while also adventuring sometimes. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I really like uh, when she was talking about, I'd love to take one of her classes. It'd be interesting. Like I like this idea of a piece of writing and then everybody goes out and writes. I'm I'm spinning about how maybe I could integrate that in with my, with my students Mm -hmm. uh, in the fall, you know, but I have to think about that a little bit more, but. Yeah. And I think uh, if you were to take one of her classes, then you could definitely get some ideas there, Mm -hmm. there too. And really it would be a good PD opportunity for a bunch of teachers to get together. That's a good idea. And take some classes. Yeah. There you go. People with PD money. Think about that. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe, leave us a review on whatever app you're listening on and send send it to a friend who you think think might be interested. interested. As always, thanks for listening and take care.